Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is episode 78. of insurmountable majesty that one that's convoys to nothingness the opening track from monumentation this is enslaved's sixth album and the one under the microscope on this episode thanks for joining us hello hunter hello jeff convoys to nothingness let's just get mm. right to it this was the only one that we found difficult to convey in a snippet as longtime listeners know we don't often play full songs all the other songs i feel like are going to be represented pretty well throughout this episode. But Convoys was really hard to get into a little nugget, into a little nutshell. It's a sprawling song on a sprawling album, mm. um, a great opener. And I th that's why we kind of wanted to open the show with the opening of that song, because, um, you know, uh, it's the best we can do. And it makes us look better than, than we actually are. <laughs> <laughs> I would say th that intro is the closest that Enslaved ever came to sounding like In the Woods. Oh, nice one. Nice one. The In the Woods mention recalls the production, which we yes. might as well just talk about right now. It's, um, yes, it was recorded in Greek Holland with Pete and Putin, Putin, Potten. What Putin, um, Potten, yeah. Yeah, we did, <laughs> did an episode on some 50, 60 episodes ago. And this is not typical Greek Holland, Python no. production, is it? Not at all. No, it's kind of suffocated blanketed but also you know mercurial and psychedelic and 
yeah it, like it's, there, it's, there's it's, an element of um mirage to some of it Ooh, mirage well and that goes into the album cover too doesn't it that's um, mm. surreality and, and mirage Truly, and yes very good point so much to talk about so much to convey as always the the full listen in the dark by yourself is the best way to get this but hopefully we'll be um revisiting some choice moments for people who love this album and, and hopefully turning a few people on i wanted to say about the production too uh, it, it's all that you said it is all of that and it's and it's magical because of it i also think it's got an earthy tone which doesn't sort of go with all that other stuff you were talking about in terms of the production but it has has a very rehearsal room sound to it. Like I think, I think the bass is probably as well represented on this album as it is on any other Enslaved album. Mm. Possibly one of the best bass sounds that Grootla has ever gotten. This is one of the few Enslaved albums, I guess, where I my my ear will often go to the bass. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of the great you know, progressive rock productions of the '70s have like they they strike that Cartesian balance between ethereal majesty and earthiness indeed and i feel like this does the same thing indeed. indeed and i don't know if it's like you know intentional i mean pitton's got you know he, 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 oh he continues to amaze you know like Pitton, i think pitton's got a wider range as a producer than he gets credit for for having yeah, we discussed that in our episode, and I think yeah. that's reflective probably of, of uh, a lot of people's opinions who listen to a lot of the material that he's produced. And I, he, yeah, he's one of those guys where just when you think you've got him pinned down or, oh, his sound belongs in this corner, he'll do something like this. He'll do something that doesn't quite mm. sort of fit into that mold of what he's known for in Greek Holland. It bears repeating that this is the sixth full length by Enslaved, who were always prolific and continue to be prolific. And, you know, by 2001, yeah, they've, they've reached album number six already. And uh, they are in the final throws of their lineup that included Dirge Rep, a.k.a. Pear, on drums and Roy Kronheim on second guitar, joining the core of Grootla and Ivar, who should be well known to most people listening to this. But this was the third and final album with that lineup. Pear would go on to play on Below the Lights, the next album, but uh, this was it for Roy Kronheim. He goes out with a bang because I, I detect a lot of his influence on this album. He was, let's say- I think say, Kronheim was, yeah, was like a singular force in the way this album came together. Well, what's interesting is they all were. And I think this is the the only time that this four-piece lineup, you, you could really say that each guy gave kind of equally. You know, Ivar is- main composer as as ever grutla we don't have to defend his place in the band but then you go to 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 roy and yeah roy brought a lot of that psychedelic proggy atmosphere to it he and the other guys of course big prog heads but uh, uh roy brought in a special something i met the guy and i've no i've heard some stories from ivar and grutla as well and um you know he he was into his drugs and I think this is easily the most drug-hazed enslaved album. This is their spine of God. This is their spine of God, and <laughs> exactly. And Roy brings a lot of that there. And then and you have to look at uh, Dirge, who not only is playing some great drums on this, some very appropriate drums on this, uh, but he had a lot to do with the concept. And we'll talk about that later, what the, the sort of right that he uh, brought in and introduced in the booklet and some of the drawings he did. So they're all really kind of, coming at this in a very unified way. Despite that, it's a little curious that this is not their most well-regarded album. 
it definitely splits you can say yeah i would say it's a contentious album it is let's just keep listening before we go even further i'm tempted to just talk about it with you for the next hour but let's also play some music yeah we should Um, probably do that yeah this is the second track the voices to wonder whether by the end of this i will consider monumentum to be my favorite enslaved record (laughs) well (laughs) man um i love that kind of punky aspect to that main riff Mm -hmm. um but it also sounds like destruction a little bit to me oh that's interesting yeah i i I can Um, do that and then just total psych meltdown like nectar with like way too many taps in the ocean. <laughs> thank you, Roy. Thank you, Roy Cronin. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Roy, <laughs> for all those tabs. For all your ocean. good work and and drugs. Uh, my first exposure to the band Focus, uh, beyond their Hocus Pocus thing, which was the only hit they really had, uh, was through Roy. We were driving in a van to the. Um, <laughs> this festival they were playing and that's that's this is the era where they stayed with me for a few days and ah, um, ah. and he, he he had he the, had the, some, the steak and eggs stay the steak and eggs visit yes and yeah. amongst so many other things but um he uh roy had put on some 
collection of prog stuff and it had nectar on it and it had focus and it had a particularly badass focus track that i can't remember to this day but i you know of course since i've gotten all the, the main focus albums but yeah um he was really into that stuff like he was i mean he just he he was like a little kid talking about it and just sharing it with us and yeah that was pretty great you mentioned uh that you know yeah this may you know by the end of the episode maybe this will swing you over to the dark side the, the way it has for me i mean i'm so, not i'm not far from the dark side so. so your favorite album uh, by enslaved is l always yes yeah always has yeah. been yeah yeah i would say mine is uh well i know mine is this one and my second favorite is probably isa fair and enough my, and my third goes back to this lineup again with marjoram those are probably mm. my three favorite enslaved albums you know what's funny about this lineup too is we're already a long way from Bloodhem. the album oh album. god yeah i mean we're, we're talking about like yeah, three years, less than three years, really. Yeah, and um, it's a very different album than that one. Very different. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the the reason that I love Eld so much is because, like, or the reason that I love those two the most is, to my mind, they're the two most psychedelic enslaved records. Mm. Eld, like, really, really trips me out. Well, it's hypnotic as hell. Yeah. I think they did so much with this lineup you know, just the three albums, but the steps that they made and the the journeys they took, wow, pretty impressive. It's a very special lineup for me and not just personally, but certainly musically as a fan. Yeah. I want to mention that throughout this album, we hear a lot of synth and vocoder sounds and they're provided by a guy, a lot of them, I should say, are provided by a guy named Dennis Rexton. And if you note in the booklet, um, they, they note him as playing synth and vocoder all over the place. Mm-hmm all over the places, how they, how they describe <laughs> it, which, you know, that describes this album, but this guy is, was a little bit older than enslaved. And he was previously best known for a band called Electrisk Reagan, a Norwegian new wave post-punk band, interesting cat. And he would also contribute to the next two enslaved albums below the lights and Isa. So in addition to his contributions, the amount of synths and effects on the album is significant. And they're added to by Ivar Kronheim and Dirge. I just love the sort of collective feeling of sure. we're just going to pour everything into this. We're just, yeah, we're going to get yeah. really, really high and <laughs> we are going to, yeah, break out every possible scent and yeah, just dump it all on. And swinging it back to the actual songs, I mean, the, the, the span, the stylistic span on this album is greater than any other enslaved without any question, I think. Oh, no question but but also the acuity of the songwriting is is at a particularly high level as far as i'm concerned oh yeah um yeah like like not only the scope but i i think the the focus of the songwriting definitely i think it gets lambasted sometimes as uh just not the greatest album it's a little bit of a shambles you know it's a little bit scattered i don't know what that is i think it's people just maybe not having listened to it enough because Mm -hmm. there's a point in in getting to know this album where it coalesces and you don't hear it any differently than being as you say a a tightly focused album compositionally yeah i couldn't agree more the third song of the album is a really good example of what we're talking about although (laughs) you might say the title is a little bit scattered it's called vision (laughs) Vision, Sphere of the Elements, A Monument, Part Two. Who um, absconds with hermaphrodite choirs. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's the subtitle. Yeah, subtitle. All right. <laughs> that, that, we're, we're in Demolich now. <laughs>
All right. If you want to know why this album pushes so many buttons for us, you need look no further than that right there. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that Sabbath break. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And, and how they layer upon it and get into Oh, this. yeah. They go, yeah. yeah, yeah. They go double time and that solo, yep. everything about it. Worth noting that that is credited to Roy Cronheim, music and lyrics, which is not something that Enslaved would do often. Like there's, there are very few Enslaved songs that Ivar is not a part of in terms of right. the, the composition. And that's one of them. Certainly he brings it with his playing, but uh, yeah, that's got Roy written all over it. Another reason I missed him when he left, quite honestly, that's because I just think there's so much going on there. That's, that's fantastic. What yeah, do you I mean, as much as you and I both like below the lights, I mean, his, his absences felt immediately. Oh no. You know, like it, it like Cronheim's exit, like changed everything. No question. Below the Lights is the album for me that acted as a springboard for everything they've done since, including the latest stuff. Like it's, that's where what I'd call modern slave starts mm -hmm. is Below the Lights. I don't sure. think they've had a, a huge break or diversion, change of perspective since then. The, I think Issa refined that sound and no then Rune, Rune just pounded it into the ground yeah and they've pretty much been there ever since with slight modifications here and there yeah which is not to say it's bad they're this you know no, of course it's not no it's i mean you know it's it's like a you know pizza or a cheeseburger like i mean you perfect the recipe yeah it's, yeah. it's good yeah exactly <laughs> What do you think of Dirge Rep as a drummer? I've heard some criticism of him while he was in Enslaved. And of course, after he left Enslaved, he really pinpointed some very strict approaches to his drumming in terms of what bands he linked up with. It became very, very necro black metal. That's that seemed to be what he was most proud of and most into post Enslaved. But what do you what do you think of him here? Because I I hear nothing but great drumming on this album in particular. This is to me is his best enslaved album as far as being a performer. What what are your thoughts on it? I will disagree with that somewhat. I think his best performance is on Bloodhound. Okay. Um because I think that's where he's most comfortable. And I think as a as a black metal drummer or an extreme metal drummer the guy is a complete beast. Yeah. Um, however, I think that he marshaled a lot of tendencies that were maybe not natural to him for both Marjoram and this record. Yeah. And I think the results are pretty spectacular. But I mean, I, I feel like Marjoram in this record really took him out of his comfort zone. And I think that he did some pretty spectacular things with that level of discomfort on that score we're on the same page because i think we tend to like when people are challenged outside of that comfort zone and it creates if not a perfect performance it creates something unusual like an unusual approach where somebody more comfortable might just be too comfortable if you right know. well you, you know but there, there's marco fadas and then there's this Let's explain and that. Marco Fadas of, of Pestilence, Pestilence, who worked really, really, really well on the first three albums, is has taken some hits for his work on Spheres, the fourth album. But in a way, that album wouldn't be as endearing without his work on it. If you're right. I guess I mean, you could say it's you know it's an injustice for all. I like I like both those comparisons. I think I think they're apt for sure. I am quite fond of Dirge Reps drumming on these records. 
Cool. Um, cool. And, and and this one in particular, like and and I've heard, in fact, like you know, some of our other friends say how sloppy he is or whatever. But like I, I mean, it'd be like saying that Ken Owen's sloppy on Symphonies of Sickness. Like what? What else do you want to hear? Well, he's as he should be, which gets back exactly. To and I and I think yeah. that's I think you know Dirge here is as he should be, and I think it's it makes the it, it's one of the things that makes the record what it is. Sure. We have to jump to Hollow Inside, the next song. And this one's interesting too. Music by Ivar mm. Bjornsson. Lyrics by a guy named, I don't know how to say this first name, Trigva, Trigiva, uh, Mathiasen, Mathiasen. We'll leave it up to some of our um, our very tolerant Norwegian listeners to correct us on this matter. I'm going to call him Trig. He appears twice in the album. This is his first appearance. And again, lyrics by him, which is an interesting thing. It's that Pete Sinfield kind of, you know, thing. Except he's singing on some of it too. this song was kind of a line in the sand <laughs> like if, yeah. you, if you don't like progressive rock or don't know progressive rock and you're expecting the enslaved of your it's gonna be uh, hard to digest I, I feel like the the textural palette of this song would challenge anyone who is unfamiliar with early king crimson or I, well sure it's it's yeah it, it's it's probably be too mellow for too long for those people right 
And I think they, they've they hinted at that on Mardra on the album before, but yeah, nothing, they really just dove in and expanded on all of that, um, all, all those impulses throughout this album. And uh, <laughs> no wonder it's, you know, one of our very favorite enslaved albums because they did do <laughs> right. this. Right. And, and while no, they've it's... always been progressive, or at least for most of their career, like they they never really went as far as they did on this album so it's just it's just one of those special albums where i'm just always going to kind of miss an element of this in their later material as much as i might like some of those albums sure they really yeah. indulge all those things that we love about the 70s and all i mean but the other thing about this album is that there's a death metal undercurrent that you don't really get on earlier enslaved you get it a little bit on marjoram on yes, marjoram you're sure. abs you're absolutely correct and yeah the, um this is something that I, at the time kind of felt novel now that they've gone further and that other black metal bands have incorporated death metal uh more liberally than they used to um it doesn't seem as special but i do remember hearing this album uh the first few times and how notable that was that there were a variety of vocal approaches that certainly make mm -hmm. a death metal and certainly riffing approaches too. in the riffing too yeah yep. absolutely yep yep let's move on to the cromlick gate this is the only song written by grutla kelson the bassist vocalist on an album of highlights this is certainly a highlight i know it's possibly your favorite on the album correct it's my favorite song on the album. It's one of my favorite enslaved songs, period. And this is maybe the second time we've ever done this, but we, uh, this is a, we're repeating a snippet, basically. I, it's a slightly different part of the song, but also kind of the same. We, uh, we did play this on the, the Pitten episode. Yeah, the Pitten episode, yeah. Um, but check it out. This is the Cromlech Gate.
anyone who is familiar with the song knows that the first iteration of that riff is one of the most hulking, menacing things in contemporary metal. But this second elliptical pass ties together this tradition from King Crimson to Coroner to Psychotic Waltz. And it always leaves me completely breathless. And some of the most inventive guitar playing that I can imagine in modern metal. Yeah, I, I can't help but think this is the Kronheim Bjornsson duo sort of um, at its height, uh, yeah. maybe creatively coming together on that. Um, who knows how much of that group actually wrote and then how much, you know, they added to his foundational composition. But yeah, that moment, man, you mentioned Crimson Corner and Psychotic Waltz, and I just, I got a little bit of a Woody. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I would hope so. Yeah, God, all, you know, they, hey, the, the, you know, we, we, we still turn each other on after all these years. <laughs> I think that's an Emerson Lake and Palmer reference. Nice one. Yeah, no, this is um, this is a great song. And you know, your comments about death metal were well timed because we hear that in the beginning of that snippet, which is probably one of the most death metal-y moments on the record. Oh yeah. Let's talk Let's about the artwork. The cover art is fantastic. I don't want to try to describe it, but I think it's the most unusual. <laughs> artwork they've had which is again fitting for the most unusual album they've done uh, but i've always really enjoyed this you know no logo again looks like a prog rock record from exactly totally these yeah it's just it's fantastic we have to give mention to trules espadal he hasn't done a lot of other artwork i mean he's done he's done a handful most of it is uh the enslaved records going forward from this below the lights another great piece of work Isa, another great one. He's done a lot of that stuff. I mean, he's done everything up to and including Utgard uh, from 2020. So I think he's hit most, uh, if not all, enslaved albums from this point on. So they linked up with a great guy there. He's done nothing but all Norwegian album covers except for one. <laughs> he did Totgelikter's Booms album from 2016, uh, a German band that uh, we we certainly like their. Um, yeah, we do. Especially their uh, yeah, their album Angst. Angst. Angst is by far the best one. Uh, but yeah, so and also so, an amazing piece of artwork. Yes, ex exactly. Don't, don't know the artist, but yeah, yeah, that's great. I love the the upside down guy floating in in a blue sort of background. He looks to be in rather a dire situation. When, when I was going through a particularly dire period in my life, that was the uh, background of my cell phone. Oh, wow. We'll have and, uh, to do, yeah, we'll have to do an episode on Toka Lictra's third album for sure. But the booklet adds to this experience. And, and that, that's where Monumention becomes one of those multi-level participatory experiences. The booklet offers a lot of different things. I like the handwritten lyrics. And I think more importantly than anything else in this booklet, there's a self-transformation right. It's explained in detail over two pages of the booklet, one of those pages being a diagram based on the traditional chaos star combined with the hoggle rune and then the text explanation of how to do the right let me just read the intro to this right and uh keep in mind that this is something that dirge rep contributed to the band and album this right the diagram on the other page and other additional elements in the booklet as well but um here's the beginning of the explanation this right is based upon knowledge tapping directly from chaos 
Enslaved does not hold responsibility for anyone attempting to perform it. See the full version at www.enslavedunion.com. I don't know if that full version is still up on the band's website, but I just wanted to read that because, yeah, it's getting pretty serious. And mm. he, he breaks down this self-transformation right song by song. Truly a, a concept album. I don't think a lot of people think of Monumention as a concept album, but I, I think it has to qualify. And I think once you re once you know that, looking at the artwork will make a lot more sense. Oh, indeed. Yeah, this is this is a good, this is one of the best deep dive albums if you really want to tear into something uh, and get as much as you can out of it. Uh, in, in addition to all that, they dedicate a page uh, that begins with the heading Omnipotent Eternal Pagan. That explains the band's headspace at this time in context of their history up to this point. I think that's really rather unusual for a band of this kind to have such an exposition in their packaging, you know, mm -hmm. but again, they were, they were high-minded at this moment. They had something really important they thought to, to present and they went all out and presenting it. Certainly one of the most high concept things to ever appear on the Osmos label. Oh, know? for sure. Aside from like the, you know, the first Bewitched record. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say Pantheimonium, but if you want to go with Bewitched, I mean, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. So in, in addition to the write and the lyric and the handwritten lyrics, I mean, everything described here, there's just this holistic feeling throughout the album that makes it such a uh, really kind of uniquely detailed and satisfying journey. If, if I, if I can. Absolutely. No. Pretentious, but that's, that's what it is. No, 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 no. It, no, that's. It, it, it whatever you know we could we could wax pretentious all day and it would still sort of fall short of the the mark with this one but you know what's beautiful about it they never forget the metal they never forget their nope. roots they never forget uh the black metal seed that's always existed existed in their music and we hear it also in a song called enemy eye Slowly not, not 
says it's time to unmask and face behind lines that is enemy eye grand declaration of warship right there <laughs> oh yeah okay i can hang with that but also like just yeah totally just freaked out metal yeah we hear that repetitive cycling hypnotic riffing that does go back to their black metal ish origins mm-hmm yeah, it's a good, yeah. You know, I, I really had never thought of that, but yeah, that's totally true. And uh, again, we're hearing snippets. So there's a lot more to these songs. And I've, I, as we're going through these snippets again, while recording the, the actual episode, I'm starting to think that like, wow, it's, um, it really, <laughs> I'd like to count the moments on the album, you know, kind of the way, <laughs> kind, of way kind of way Dark Angels claimed 200 some riffs on the fourth album. It's like, how many, changes and how many parts and moments are actually on this album it's, it's uh seriously it's massive and um pretty incredible that's uh another bjornson track um, and another like amazing thing is how quickly it was made after marvel yeah I mean, like, barely a year yeah and that was they were starting to tour a lot at that point too i mean they came over to the u.s each visit since frost really i, I don't know if they made it yeah. for l but certainly almost every every tour that they were doing worldwide was uh with a u.s tour so so they're busy they're they're on the road a lot and they're creating and and at that time they weren't quite the draw that they were now actually it's kind of hard to believe but um some of the guys had you know regular jobs i don't know that they do anymore because i think they've just mm. built up such a thing and they've become a bit more popular yeah, good over, for them, over, man. over the years but i mean even in this era i, I know that uh, a couple of the guys uh, i think rutla even had a, a day job you know so it's it's hard it's hard to imagine trying to live real life and then this life <laughs> the recording yeah. and touring life and t- you know it's it, it it is it is amazing and they were really doing the 70s model of like an album a year for for quite a while but they've always been so prolific another really wonderful aspect of this band yet another Ivar Bjornsson comp is next it's smear which I always thought was a Norwegian word it just looks like a Norwegian word and in uh, doing a little research for this episode I realized did you know what the word smear is no okay it's a Scottish word to describe a fine drifting rain or drizzle Um, so light it seems like a mist or smoke which really kind of goes with the atmosphere of the album I looked to see if this was a Norwegian word. I can't find evidence that there is. So I, I, I assume it's the Scottish word. The definition, as I said, it really fits the atmosphere. Yeah, the definition the makes sense.
I have a really good, really powerful memory of this album as the the beginning of our friendship. You got an advance of it, and we met for the first time in person in Atlanta to see Spiral Architect. Yep. You almost ran into the back of my car. Yep. Um, I did. You locked your keys in your car. I did. Um, you and I and Nathan ate at Waffle House twice. Nathan scoped out women in Waffle House who he thought would be most likely to smoke and then bum cigarettes off of them. And then also we got a bunch of beer and we didn't have any way to open it. So Nathan helped us with that. Um, we listened to Paradise Lost once. No, uh, um, Host. Host. In, in in my car while a guy who was on shift for a construction company or something um, uh, serviced a prostitute in our hotel. Not um, our room, not our room. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, 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 and sorry, sorry, let's, let me back let's up. Let's be clear. Not, 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 okay, not our room and also was, not a hotel, a mo, a, an <laughs> external entry motel. <laughs> uh, it, it, at any rate, very eventful night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you forgot to mention listening to Lost Horizon as well. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I yeah, no, this this was fresh on our minds. Amanya mentioned was because it had just come out and it was blowing us all away. So yeah, that and that was that was our first face to face meeting, and uh, you know what blossomed into a beautiful friendship. <laughs> Here we are. Here we so, are. Yeah, twenty one years later. Twenty one years later, talking about the album. So how about that? Yeah, good thing I'm not <laughs> driving behind you. Uh, <laughs> The next song is called The Sleep, colon, Floating Diversity, dash, A Monument, Part 3. And uh, just like Vision, Sphere of Elements, A Monument, Part 2, this is a Roy Cronheim track. I feel like if Hollow Inside didn't frighten the more narrow-minded of the enslaved fan base at this time, this one definitely would have, because this is by far the most Pink Floydish yeah. of the tunes. Again, lots of Kronheim all over this. And the thing that makes Monument mention Monument mention, I think more than any other song is possibly this one for me in terms of how do you, how, yeah, you, sure. how, yeah. how you define how far out they went. Yeah, and, I, I, um, I would agree with that. And yeah. I mean, just the, the song title alone. <laughs> sure, Floating Diversity. It's fantastic. Yeah. We are going to play this. And it sounds like, an, uh, like a human resources policy. <laughs> floating diversity yeah yeah we're, we promote we promote both synergy and floating diversity <laughs> that's funny yeah he was 20 years ahead of his time perhaps um so so yeah we're gonna pair this uh, a bit of this one up with the outro which is called self zero and we're just gonna play these back to back and then we'll talk about the the uncomfortable mm. ending. The, 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 yes, of this yes. unfortunate. Perhaps unper- the thing that makes album. this. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Perhaps the thing that it, like cements the divisiveness of this album. Well, we'll talk. But, about and this. and you and I. Well, okay. Anyway, let's. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get we'll to talk. that.
this is the curious point. Well, <laughs> there's so many curious points on this album, but this, this is a very curious ending to me for several reasons. One, uh, what we just heard is this kind of, I don't know, more psychedelic godfleshish sort of thing that ends the album. And then before it, the final proper song, The Sleep, Floating Diversity. I see nowhere in the credits that doesn't say that Grutla uh, didn't sing on that. That's a lot of negatives, uh, triple negatives. Um, yeah, I, I, but but I think I think Grutla does that clean Roger Waters esque voice on the sleeve, mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting because he didn't exercise this a whole lot uh, before or since. Um, what do you what do you hear it as? Because again, I, the credits point to a lot of different uh, vocal guest appearances by a couple different people, but not not that part. It sounds like him to me. Okay. Um, okay. Just see him stretch to his absolute limits. He does a great job. He does. He's a great, a great and very flexible vocalist. I, I've been a little critical of his vocals in like the last seven or eight albums, just because I think. Well, he's, he's, he's kind of settled into, but the, the whole band has. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I keep wanting Monument mentioned part two, which is well, uh, even, even against my, mu my musical ethics. That's not even cool, yeah. but, uh, but you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I always wanted them to surprise me like this again. Uh, but anyway, great stuff there. Great way to end the album. And here, here's the, here's the curious part is that for both of us, this, I don't know if I'd call it a perfect album if it weren't for the, the, the next song that we're going to play, but I'd call it really close. Uh, it's it's certainly certainly always been my favorite enslaved album and, and going through it like this tonight it doesn't change my mind but I can't call it perfect because of this next thing what they did was they tacked on and I can only say tacked on because they they gave the song credit to basically a different permutation of enslaved called HOV and this consists of the four enslaved members plus two other people Kai K. Lee best known as uh, one-time bassist in Borknagar and vocalist Trigva Matheson, who we heard on Hollow Inside. Mm -hmm. And it's a seven-minute dirge chant. Uh, I suppose it's, a, it's certainly a link to their... We, we've gone this whole, whole episode and haven't said Viking metal, not on purpose for any reason, but just it's kind of seems far away from this album. But here we have at least Viking enslaved in the, in the guise of HOV. So... I've told you what I think of this song, Hunter. I'm pretty sure you're on the same page, but let, let me know. Every Everyone's on the same page. <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who's not on this page. This is, um, yeah, it's a, a, I'm going to be diplomatic and I'll call it a disruption. Yeah. But thankfully, thankfully, it's tacked on to the end of it. Right, which you, for me and, and, and you and, and people like my buddy Zoller and, and so many others who tend to listen this way, we, we're kind of anal about it. Like if we're going to do a full album listen, we're pretty dedicated to that listen. But I feel like because it's called HOV, because it's not good, we can sort of like turn it off after a self-zero outro and be happy with the listen. Right. And the, the, the album still feels full. And complete but this is just yeah this is just that this weird tacked on thing plus it's inexplicably seven minutes long we're <laughs> gonna play about 40 seconds for you and we will come back after this but we're gonna play 40 seconds and this is basically all it does for seven minutes and we're not averse to repetitive hypnotic uh, minimal music but it just seems pointless especially after everything that's come before it 
Uh, so just the only real blemish on Monument mentioned. Is that fair to say? Yes. It's, a, it's you know, and it's uh, almost inexcusable blemish. I mean, you know, like it, it's, it, it's like like if we played two minutes, it'd be like, well, you really didn't get the full feeling of that one, you know. Uh, <laughs> that one's called uh, Zygmunt's Kavad. Here's another tough one: Zygmunt's Kavadit, Kavadit, Zygmunt's Kavadit. I have no idea, so I can't even fucking pronounce it. Okay, so um, thanks, everybody. We can't exalt this band or album enough, and I think we've we've done fair enough with it tonight. Uh, I want to thank a few listeners: Paul David Feltovich, and uh, a gentleman from, I believe, Israel, uh, Roy Bar Nakum, aka Buka Umavluka, who makes some really, really, really interesting instrumental music uh, that he sent to us. That I recommend it anyone who can find it out there. Uh, I don't know how to search for it really. It's uh, just Roy Barnockham, uh, Buka Umav Luka, and also Ben Simpkins, who uh, is familiar to us as being an early member of Enslaved. But uh, despite that, I mean, Canvas Hilarious, <laughs> dude, I have, I have, dude, I, holy <laughs> shit, I have no idea that Ben was an Enslaved. Yeah, that was, uh, God, you know, he's like, yeah, I, I love him even more than I did. I, I guess that's our version of a Freudian slip. But um, anyway, I, I, I clearly got enslaved on the brain. But yes, Ben was in the early Canvas Solaris lineups. Also so, enslaved. Uh, thanks to all those gentlemen and everybody else who listens and remains enthusiastic about this bizarre little weird thing we do uh, in our spare time. Next episode, we're going to be concluding our visit to Norway. Of course, we'll be back to Norway, but we've done a string of episodes just because we wanted to get a lot of things out of the way that we've been talking about. And uh, this last one will cover a lot of the different projects that Simon H., aka ICS Vortex, has been uh, a member of from Lamented Souls to Arcturus to Bortnagar to, we'll probably have to play a Demi Borgir snipper too. He's um, got some good stuff in that band. Good well dude he's he just um and we'll probably play something from his solo album he's 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 funny because he's not genius every time but when he's great i mean i just don't think there's anybody who can touch him i love the guy i I love his perhaps we could have the one and only arcane archivist pick out a demo simon track uh we should probably go to him because neither one of you neither one of us are experts on that era of demo no Um, and he is and he's also yeah a dear friend and confidant. Yeah, let's do Let's go to the Arcane Archivist for that. All right. Thanks to everyone listening. We are going to be back soon with episode 79. Unlock!